Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi, Michelle. Hello, Teddy. So, let me just preface this by saying that murder is bad. Yes. And that murder is always bad. Yes. But if you had to commit a murder, like gun to your heads, you, you just had to commit a murder. If not, bad things would happen, right? Would you be able to do it yourself? Hmm. I think if I were to be able to choose my murder weapon of choice, let's say I have a gun. Yeah. I think maybe... I might be able to... Whoa, 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 Michelle. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I say that because... Like, I've seen, like, really graphic stuff. Like, you know, the media with, like, all the recent... Mm. All the shootings, news about, like, violence, Yeah, like, like, very tragic stuff happening around the world. And I've seen, like, videos of beheading and things like that. Yeah. I feel almost, like, desensitized... Yeah, like it looks images. fake sometimes. Yeah, look, you can almost imagine that it's a movie set. Yeah, exactly. So my mind know it's bad, mm-hmm. and I know it's bad, and I'm just like, oh shit, I feel sad, but I don't feel like shocked. Yeah, like I don't feel like taken aback because mm. I've seen similar stuff in movies, and even though I know it's real, when I look at it, I still think of it like as a movie, and I think that's mm. kind of like the. How you could trick yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, I think if I'm holding a gun, I wonder, like, I don't know if I could, like, maybe (laughs) I'll just totally, like, wuss out and be like, you kill me instead. But I wonder if I were to be holding a gun, can I trick my mind and my eyes into just thinking that this is a game? Like, separating it. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think that you would be able to commit murder because I think, you talk a lot about empathy in our <laughs> you talk about empathy in our personal life and I think you're a person with quite a lot of compassion as well. And not just saying that you're special, okay Michelle. Okay, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> but I think a lot of people are not capable of committing murder. Yeah, no, especially like I mean like putting it into the context of Singapore, most of us don't have guns. So yeah. If we were to be committing a murder, it's with like a knife or, you know, like a chopper, something close range. It would be so personal. Exactly. Like if you're stabbing someone or strangling someone, you're like (laughs) face to face with the person. You see them like struggling and I don't know. Your face is a bit close to mine now. (laughs) (laughs) So my hands. (laughs) So I think that if I wanted to kill somebody. I think most Singaporeans, if they wanted to kill somebody, they wouldn't do it themselves, right? They would hire... A hitman. A hitman. And how much is a hitman anyway? Like 10,000, 50,000, 100,000? Probably a lot in Singapore because you're facing the death penalty. Yes. Singapore is super small. Um, yeah. And I guess 
the police have a lot of resources to mm-hmm. dedicate to finding this one killer on the loose. So <laughs> I think they would be pretty expensive compared to, I don't know, like any other country, I guess. Yeah, and if you hired a hitman, it wouldn't be just you that knew about the murder. Yeah. Somebody else would know that yes. you planned to murder the person that you murdered. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure they'll rat you out if the police is like, oh, okay, I'll give you a lighter sentence. I mean, right? if I'm the hitman, I'll be like, all right, I'll, I'll tell you. Then Michelle, so we all know that you don't want to hire Michelle as a hitman. <laughs> okay, so you would want to hire someone who you know would be able to do the job. Someone competent. Yeah. You know, like Black Widow, Hitman 47, John Wick. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Someone who you know would be able to do the job. Capital J for job. Mm-hmm. Alright. But what if you didn't know people like that? How many of us actually know a professional hitman? What if you're just a horrible Singaporean uncle with no connections? Okay. Would you settle for a 15-year-old teenage boy that you met at your local McDonald's? No, probably not. How reliable is this 15-year-old? You know 15-year-olds, they like to talk big. Okay, sorry <laughs> to all the 15-year-olds out there. But 15-year-olds, you know, they a lot of them like to talk big and be like, I can do this. And then they wave their big dick energy around. But how many of them are... Well, I hope that not many of them are like... <laughs> killers. Hi, I'm Teddy. And I'm Michelle. And welcome to A Brief Case. Today, we're covering the case of Anthony La, who hired, manipulated a 15-year-old teenage boy into killing his wife for him. Anthony La was born in 1967, shortly after Singapore gained independence. His parents had four kids and he was the youngest. According to him, he didn't have a very happy childhood and his parents divorced when he was young. He also wasn't really close to any of his siblings. Overall, there wasn't anything too notable about his childhood. He goes to River Valley English School and then Mm -hmm. Thompson Secondary School. So Thompson Secondary School is now known as North Vista Secondary, if I'm not wrong. Okay. Yeah. After that, he moved on to one of the early polytechnics for his tertiary education. Right. But anyway, according to some sources, he wasn't like an amazing student. He wasn't going to be like the next Bill Gates or Mm. whatever. Mm. So he was average. He wasn't very smart. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if it was family conflict or anything, but he ends up dropping out after his first year because his dad wouldn't continue paying for his school. Oh, shucks. It's a bit of a shame, but I don't know. I don't think that he was that interested to begin with because I know a few people whose parents didn't pay for their school and they they just continued working and supporting Mm. themselves through it. Right. After that, he goes to NS and I think he was a bit lost because he ends up staying in the army for another five years and not saying anything. The army can be a great career but sometimes like certain people when they can't decide what to do, they just stay on, they just sign on. Yeah. Not that I have anything to say this because, you know, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) I don't know. Okay, and I think that maybe he should have stayed on. Like, objectively, I really think that you can make a very good life and a very good career in the army, whether as, like, a conscripted soldier, as a, as somebody who's in the army, or as a DXO. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, if you go far along, mm. um, you could 
get a scholarship, no? Exactly. You could go to the mm. army first and then get a scholarship right. in the army. And, you know, based on what happened next, right, he definitely would have made more money staying in the army. La. Okay, okay. Okay, so he ends up setting a bunch of businesses which then ended up in bankruptcy and failure. So okay. he's just not a good businessman, okay. but he just wanted to play at being a businessman, okay? But no shame, some people are just good employees, but he just don't want. Okay, what, what did he set up? Like, what was his business? Okay, so he tried setting up, like, a graphic design business. Yeah. Whoa, yeah, wait, when market. was this? Like, 1980s? Like, or? pre-2000s. Whoa, yeah. he was ahead of his time. <laughs> Obviously not great at it, though. Okay, okay. Yeah, so that was his academic and professional life. So, in terms of his personal life... Okay. When he was 19 years old, mm-hmm. he meets 15-year-old Annie Leong Wai Man. Wait, 15 years old? Yes, so he's 19 and he meets her when she's 15. Okay, so you know like 15 isn't like legal age? Yeah. (laughs) Is he considered a pedophile? I mean, it's just a four-year age gap, but I think it's a bit creepy when a 19-year-old is interested in a... 15 year old because yeah. when you're so young the, the 4 years makes a massive difference exactly. in experience and just life views and everything and automatically right I will just be like oh dude you're a creep right because <laughs> yeah. even though it's 4 years I mean like 44 and 48 is not really like a that difference yeah. but 19 and 15 is like the start of uni versus secondary school yeah exactly yeah. it's kind of it's yeah. creepy yeah it's creepy okay Okay, so we don't exactly know when they start dating. So it might not have been when they met. It might have been like maybe like, you know, like, like 17 one year later. and 21 okay. or something. Which is still bad because it's like JC and an adult. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, I think it's when they're a bit older and they end up getting married in 1995. Okay, so they're a bit adultier, adulty. Okay. And not that it matters, right? This shouldn't be matter. This shouldn't really matter. But there's photos of her out there and she's really, really pretty. Like, she's slender and she looks like she has a smile that lights up, you know. And she has this very sweet look about her. Like, people call it, like, Sooner. Oh, okay. Alright? And just the way she was described was soft-spoken. Okay. Like, she was known as being soft-spoken. Right. Oh, that's, like, that era's ideal yeah, yeah, woman, you know? Yeah, yeah, that era's ideal woman. Wait. Gentle... Let me show you a photo. Smiley. Pleasant looking. Pleasant. They always say she's very pleasant. The face of a homemaker. Oh, she oh is yeah, the she face is. of a homemaker, right? Yeah. yeah, I can imagine her as a Thai Thai today. <laughs> well, she you know, loved like... the Thai Thai life, not to be married to this creep. Okay. Okay. Alright. Now, two years after they get married, they have a daughter together in 1997. And from Everything that we could find, Annie was a good wife. She okay. was a good wife, okay? And a dedicated wife. She even quit her job mm-hmm. at a bank to support his shitty businesses. Oh. Yeah, yeah she shouldn't have done no, that. No, and she should. you should always have your own career. Yeah. Okay. And, right. So, Anthony La, up to this point, aside from the fire age gap thing, he feels pretty... Average, right? Average. Normal. Normal. Nothing too off. 
Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. He's below average. Oh, okay, okay. Hit me with the juice. He's below average. He's a terrible, <gasps> shitty husband. Okay. okay, come. One of the bare minimums of most marriages is monogamy, right? Yes. That yes. is the bare freaking minimum. Okay, okay. He couldn't. I mean, unless you guys agree. Unless you guys agree and have that kind of marriage. But you then, know, like. You know, good, good for no, you. No, but Annie did not agree. Oh, Annie did not agree. Bare minimum. Right, okay. Okay, so he cheated throughout their marriage. One of his first affairs uh-huh. was the year his daughter was born. <gasps> yeah. Oh, dude, that's damn asshole. That means he, he like started while she was pregnant. Exactly while she was vulnerable and carrying like a sack of his 5kg. baby. <gasps> and then he was that kind of guy. Okay, no respect for him. No respect. Alright. No respect for any guy who does this. Exactly. Alright, one Don't of be a dick. <laughs> don't be a dick. <laughs> one of his earliest known affairs was to a woman called Belinda Ho. Okay. Alright, so Belinda met Anthony while she was working as a waitress in a pub at Boat Key. Okay. They had a three-year-long affair. <gasps> yeah. And I really don't know what it is about Anthony that made women believe in him, okay? That's I, something. I don't get, like, these three-year-long affairs because, I mean, I suck. I mean, I get at it. The, if at that point, you might as well just that yeah, like exactly. Leave. Like if you had like a one night stand because you were drunk, then I maybe mean, some people maybe. might forgive. Some people might forgive, but like Michelle and I would not. No, we would not. But like <laughs> if you have a three year long affair, you likely don't believe in your marriage. You know, you don't love in your the wife. Institution of marriage. Yeah, you know, then, some people will say you can love two people, but. If you really love them, you wouldn't be cheating on them, huh? Yeah, exactly. So then, like, if you don't really love your wife, like, why do you stay? Like, what's the point? Exactly. So, right, they had a three-year-long affair to the point where she was helping him set up different company. The A Graphics Company. Okay. A modeling agency. Oh. A magazine. Oh. I mean, these don't really have much in common and it doesn't look like Anthony has expertise to really run any of these. Yeah, I mean, you could have a modeling agency that um, supplies the editorial photo (laughs) to your magazine, which... Is also using the same graphic Graphics. designer. But yeah. like, we well, he failed. got yeah. he got a girlfriend and a PA in one. I mean, it's a pretty good deal Maybe for him. Maybe he dated her for three years for a free PA. No. <laughs> okay. And he even ends up moving Belinda into the flat that he shared with his wife and daughter. Wait, then the, the wife freaking just... audacity, right? Yeah, then how did he explain it to I, his I wife? I don't know, there's no details about it, but we know that he tried because it's in it's documented. Alright, so this is actually a bit similar to the Adrian Lim case, if you guys haven't listened to that, where Adrian actually tried to move his mistress into the family flat. So I don't know why, but Singaporean guys, they much want to have all their women in one place, which is damn stupid also. No, it's kind of like that um, that YouTube video where this guy had like eight wives all living on the oh, same oh. farm. With... Sister wives, sister oh, wives. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but they consent. The sister yeah, wives they consent. consented. But no, like what do you tell your wife? Like, hey, like my friend here is moving in with us. No, no, they always try to scam it with, hey, we got extra room. My friend want to pay rent. Let's make some money. I know her. She's a good friend. Right. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> okay, so this is disrespectful as fuck. 
And Annie ends up leaving Anthony in October 1999. Good on her. Yeah, so she packs up her shit, she takes her daughter, and she moves back to her mother's house, which is always an option, ladies. Move back to your mother's house, even if you argue with your mother, you know, she'll take you back. (laughs) (laughs) So good for her. Okay, so his marriage wasn't great, and his affair basically failed too, because after Belinda was about 100k in debt, and after three and a half years, she leaves him. Oh, she took on like she took on that for him. I don't know what's so good about this Anthony La. Okay, I really don't. Okay, around must be really good, like (laughs) with women. (laughs) (laughs) So around August two thousand, Anthony was facing bankruptcy. His wife left him, and I'm not too sure about the timeline, but I think by now Belinda also left him. Okay. So he tries to commit suicide with sleeping pills, but he fails. And another thing that happens in 2000, he ends up dating another woman. Okay. Marilyn Tan Sufen, and he's really shitty to her too. I mean, in general, he's terrible to all the women in his life. Yeah. So Marilyn ends up borrowing a ton of money. Damn, like you, you didn't get anything good out of this relationship. Like the first lady, I mean, she got a divorce, mm-hmm. and then the second lady got hundred k in debt, mm-hmm. and also like a death, death threat. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay, so same as Belinda, Marilyn borrows a ton of money to invest into Anthony's businesses, right? Mm-hmm. But we all know he's a shitty businessman, so his okay. businesses fail. Right. And so she threatens to commit suicide too. And instead of being concerned, mm-hmm. Anthony being the POS that he is, he's like, Let me oh, join. No, since you're gonna kill yourself, uh, could you kill my wife first too? Oh, shucks. Like, wait. He's still looking to kill Annie? No, so he's like, he wants to kill Annie. Like, but, for but, but he said it like jokingly, right? Okay. Oh, you want to commit suicide? Uh? Kill, kill my wife too? Like, what's the point of killing Annie? Alright. We're gonna get to that. It's the insurance money. Anyway, after Anthony's suicide attempt, Annie, she comes back to him for a while because like, how to not, you know? Alright, and Anthony thinks that they have a chance, right? Okay. But no, in February 2001, Annie files for divorce properly. Okay. So, I mean, good for her. Good for her. But because of their daughter, they end up having a kind of informal weekend visitation thing. I see your face. Mm. Yeah, and this is when Anthony started to plot. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Anthony. Alright, so... Anthony, he was in a very shitty position when it comes to divorce in Singapore. He didn't mm-hmm. have a stable job, yeah. but his wife, she'd gone back to a regular stable job because she's a nice, normal, responsible, beautiful person. Yeah. Okay. And he kind of knew that if he went to court, he wouldn't have a chance to get custody of his daughter. And honestly, in Singapore courts, this hardly ever happens with dads anyway. Like, Yeah, no, but the thing is, he doesn't sound like he he's wants, a responsible yeah. dad, you know, like... It doesn't when, sound like he wanted to be a family man. Yeah, exactly. Like when his wife was pregnant with that the same daughter, yeah. he was out cheating. Yeah. And then he brought the woman home. Like, can you yeah. imagine like how the kid must have felt when she found out about all this mess? And exactly. And then she's, he's fighting for her now. It doesn't even make sense. No, and instead of seeking out a responsible job, he's just out there hemorrhaging money trying to achieve his dreams. And like, let's be honest, between you and me, the modeling agency sounds more like a... A scam. <laughs> a scam. <laughs> to get women. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is that he wanted 
the flat. He wanted to have full ownership of the flat. So he could ah. sell the flat and have the money to pay off the debt. But if they divorced, right. it would have been split. split. Yeah, so... The thing, so for some context, the things we work in Singapore, if the flat was bought after the marriage, which likely it was because, you know, you cannot, you have to be married to buy a flat, right? The ownership from the flat and proceeds from the sale of the flat would be split. How much it would have been split would have depended on how the courts went, but like, right. he would not have gotten 100% of it. Right. And, and besides... Was there a good chance that she might have gotten... Might have paid more for the flat? Yeah, or like she might have gotten majority of the share? We don't know, but like, looking at how Anthony manages his money... Mm. Eh? Okay. Yeah. And besides, he was pretty angry at his wife. Angry at her for leaving him after he lost all their money and cheated on her again and again and again. I mean, how dare she be angry at him? Yeah. I, I don't get it either. <laughs> yeah. And he was going to kill her. But no, he wasn't going to be the one to do this because everyone always suspects the husband. Right. He was going to get a hitman. And where was he going to get this hitman from? McDonald's. <laughs> Anthony La liked to hang out at this McDonald's with a group of teenage boys. So this is the McDonald's at Block 444. Basiris Drive 6. I think we should make a visit. Make make a road trip there. Yeah, let's let's have a road trip there. <laughs> okay. So it was around February 2001, a year or so after his suicide attempt. And I think he used to go down to that McDonald's with his tiny white pom-pom. This is his Pomeranian. Yeah. I love pom-poms. They're so cute and fluffy. I hate that he's associated with Having a pom-pom. It's true. You know when they get the teddy haircut? Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. Yeah. So anyway, imagine this 34-year-old man with his fluffy white pom-pom hanging out at McDonald's. With a group of teenage Teenage boys. boys. This is weird. Alright. So first, there was an unnamed 15-year-old boy. So he wasn't named because of how young he was. So let's give him a fake name. Let's call him a boy. Okay. A B a boy, alright. Okay. okay, so there was also a 16-year-old Gavin, 17-year-old Vigneswaran, okay. 19-year-old Kong Ka Chong. And this wasn't just a one-time McDonald's thing, okay? Anthony La was a frequenter of that particular McDonald's. Okay, okay. So right, he wouldn't go straight into it though. Anthony La would test the waters. Oh, he's a strategic man. Yeah, he would be like... Man with a plan. Hey boys, hey boys, which one of you would dare to kill? Which is a damn random thing to bring up in a conversation. So everybody thought it was a joke, right? So he would say things like, Hey boys, how much would it take for you to kill somebody? And they would all say like different amounts, right? Yeah. And then Anthony would be like, how about 100k, 100k, right? This is interesting because remember there were other cases that I've covered mm-hmm. about hiring other people to kill and yep. it's been low as 6k and Anthony Le is coming out with like 100k. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and not just 100k, he would be like, 100k and I'll treat you to pretty girls, which I think is like... It's from his modeling agency. No, I think he, he's like prostitutes. Gosh. Yeah, and after like two months, in April 2001, he gets really serious about asking the kids to do this. Like, every single time he met them, mm-hmm. right, this was the only thing that he would talk about. He would be like, oh, killing his wife, killing his wife, killing his wife. Yeah. Like, 
There was this 22-year-old, C, who said that Anthony invited him to his flat and was like, Hey bro, 100k to kill my wife. After you kill her, I'll sell the flat and get some money. Then I'll give you the 100k. And C, he's 22, right? So he's not so easily manipulated. Yeah. He's like, Nah bro, how about you get an actual pronoun, like an actual professional to do it? Yeah. And he leaves the flat. But that's not the end of it. Most people would take that as a no, goodbye. Yeah. For the next two days, Anthony just kept calling C. And he was super serious about it. He would keep calling and calling and being like, Hey bro, have you found a hitman yet? And eventually, see, he wasn't up. He obviously wasn't gonna do it. He was like, "Hey, bro, I really cannot find a hitman. You're on your own." Mm-hmm. So he finally gets the message. Okay. The rest of the group, they're a bit older, right? In their late teens, early twenties. Yeah. They were a bit disturbed by. It. They genuinely thought he was a bit crazy. Okay. Yeah. You mean the rest of the group that's yeah, younger, the older group. So the like older the nineteen-year-old, the twenty-year-old. Right, they were right. like, "Dude, this is a bit crazy." Because you know they're twenty. They okay, so these people are separate from the sixteen-year-old. They are year together olds. in one big group. Oh, okay. so he realizes that he can't get the older kids to do it. So okay. he starts to approach Gavin, who's okay. sixteen, and our boy, who's fifteen, and he wanted Gavin to do it more because he thought that. Gavin was more tata and Gavin had bigger balls. Okay. Right? So, Gavin wasn't sure if Anthony was serious, right? Until Anthony actually brought Gavin back to his flat and started coaching him. Coaching him? Like how to kill? He would be like, okay, Gavin, make sure you wear gloves to avoid leaving fingerprints. Oh, okay, okay. Make sure you make it look like a robbery. Here are some knives that I think are great for killing. By the way, the skin on the neck is as thin as newspaper. He even made Gavin practice, okay? Practice? That's how intense he was. He would take a bolster. Okay. He would wrap the bolster in newspaper. Right. For all you non-Singaporean listeners, I know there's a few of you now. (laughs) A bolster is a super comfy hugging pillow. Like, think of it like a body pillow. It's a pillow but long. Yes. And then you... You hug it to sleep. Yeah, you hug it to sleep. <laughs> Alright, so he would wrap a bolster in newspaper and he would be like, Gavin, slash, slash the bolster. Okay. Alright, and just to show how far into this he was, he had a proper briefing, okay? A briefing? He showed Gavin pictures of Annie and his daughter and like be like, what, this is where they're gonna be, this is how it's gonna be like. And so like, we know Anthony La was on a war path. Oh, shit. So, Gavin was pretty conflicted about this. Initially, the group thought it was a joke, right? Yeah. But it wasn't a joke. He ended up talking to friends about this. And one of his close friends was like, Hey, bro, don't do this. This is some dumb shit. Yeah, man. Like, it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, so eventually he backs out. So, so good on him, Gavin. Yeah, exactly. Alright, so Gavin is a good friend. He doesn't just back out. He tries to call our boy. Mm-hmm. 15-year-old our boy. Yeah. And warn him too. To warn him that Anthony was bad news, but he couldn't get into contact. Jang, jang, jang. Anthony's got the 15-year-old. Yeah, because he knew that Anthony was going to go get the 15-year-old. And eventually, yeah. Anthony does get in touch with the 15-year-old Aboy. Okay. So, let's talk a bit about Aboy. Right. Aboy is described as very simple-minded, very trusting. But he's also described as good-hearted and caring. Oh. So, he was the one who introduced Anthony to his friend group, this, this friend group. Right. Our boy met Anthony when he was 10 years old. So he liked to bring his hamster to the stone stools mm-hmm. and tables under the block. You know mm-hmm. the ones that uncles like to play chess and drink yeah. at? 
Yeah. So this was back at Block 109, Basiri Street 11. Mm-hmm. So remember Anthony had a dog, the small white Pomeranian? Yeah. So that's how they knew each other. Um, They would meet while Anthony was walking the dog and Aboy was playing with the hamster. Okay. They lost contact after a while, but eventually Anthony started showing up at the Kopitiam and McDonald's and hanging around there and meeting all of Aboy's friends. And unlike Sia, unlike Gavin, yeah. he falls for it and agrees to kill Anthony's wife for him. Alright, I think we've basically set the scene here with all the background and we're going to come back next week with the second part of the case. How Anthony Le orchestrated the murder of his wife. In the meantime, to tide you over, I was recently on an episode with the Hantu guys on their live podcast. Their Instagram is at weahantu and it's called Dead Air. So you can go ahead and check that out between this episode and next week's episode. And as always, thank you, Michelle. You're most welcome. I'm so excited to be on your podcast again. And if you like this, make sure to share it with your friends and family. It really helps the show. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at a briefcase podcast or online at a briefcase podcast.com. And do join us next week for another briefcase. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.